you know, to start out in Denver, end yeah. up in here playing with Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, man, to come here with all these guys, man, it felt like the Pro Bowl every day. Um, the culture is great here. We made a super team and we took advantage of the opportunities we had. Everybody's really down to earth. It's a true brotherhood. The way that Vaughn comes in, I can't say enough about what a positive injection of life Odell Beckham Jr. was for yeah. us. Oh, yeah. Man, did we push him in the second I, half. I Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, Whitworth. How about Eric Weddle? Yeah, he's just listing all the stars on that Rams team. ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. Shea Cornette, Chris Canty here with you. And we're only two days removed from the Super Bowl. And so while we're thinking about the confetti still falling there at SoFi Stadium for the Rams as they were the winners of Super Bowl 56, makes us wonder if there are other teams that could take on that same philosophy and build a quote-unquote super team in the NFL and do it quickly and then be in the same situation as the Rams, holding up a trophy at the end of the year and calling themselves Super Bowl champions. And so the way the Rams built this team, Canty, in terms of what they went out to get, and we know all about Odell and Von Miller and then obviously Matthew Stafford, and the way it was constructed and the pieces that were already in place there, Aaron Donald, Leonard (laughs) Floyd, et cetera, and then they were able to get a championship. Are there other teams in this league that could follow that same model and do something similar with the quickness in the way that the Rams did? Absolutely, there are other teams. So I got a list of four teams, Shay, that I think are a quarterback away from getting this done. Because when you start talking about super teams, I mean, it took the Rams uh, uh, several off-seasons to be able to put the pieces in place to develop this core. We're talking about the trade they made with the Jacksonville Jaguars, two first-round picks to bring over Jalen Ramsey. Of course, they drafted Aaron Donald, one of the best draft picks that organization has ever made, but then having the opportunity to get guys like Robert Woods in the fold and then find guys in the mid-rounds like Cooper Cup, it took them a while to be able to build toward being just a quarterback away. And when you had the opportunity, you pulled the trigger and being able to ship Jared Goff to Detroit for Matt Stafford along with those two first-round draft picks. So when I survey the landscape of the NFL, the four teams that I could come up with that are a quarterback away, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Indianapolis Colts, the Denver Broncos, and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now, three of those four teams have top ten defenses, and the other one that doesn't have one, the Pittsburgh Steelers, has a hell of a defensive-minded coach in Mike Tomlin, a coach that's never been below 500 in 15 seasons in the NFL. They've never been short on wide receivers or playmakers in their skill position core, and they have a defense that, when they're healthy, can be championship caliber. T.J. Watt just tied Michael Strahan's single-season sack record. So those would be the teams that I would outline And if you had to narrow it down to some favorites, I would probably lean toward the Indianapolis Colts being the leader in the clubhouse because it's a team in the AFC. And if Green Bay or or Seattle is willing to trade Russell Wilson, you got to think they'd want to move him out of the conference. So I would look at Indy as being the first choice because they have the seventh most cap space, because they have a good offensive line in place, because they have an MVP candidate in the backfield in Jonathan Taylor. They have Michael Pittman Jr., who could be a solid number two receiver. And then you have a really good defense led by DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. When you look at the Denver Broncos, they've got a top five defense, a lot of skill position players in place as well over there, and they have the draft capital to be able to make it happen. You know they picked up an extra second rounder because of the Von Miller trade. And then, of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who didn't lose any of their coordinators this offseason – uh, to head to being head coaches elsewhere around the NFL, a team that won a Super Bowl two years ago, really good offensive line, another top ten defense, 
and they've got some solid skill position players as well. So those would be the four destinations that I would think are just a quarterback away. And if they could get their hands on Aaron Rodgers or on Russell Wilson or on Deshaun Watson, if he ends up ever getting traded from Houston, then I think those teams could absolutely find themselves where the Rams are today as Super Bowl champions. Okay, I'm going to like refute some of these teams. I agree with the Colts one because I feel like there's stability there. That mm. I agree with. And I'm going to agree with the Broncos one with an asterisk on the head coach situation because you don't know what that head coach is going to amount to. In terms of the Bucks, the Bucks ranked towards the top five in most statistical categories on both sides of the ball, which is important. And, yes, they might be a quarterback away, but you likely won't have Gronk returning. How are you going to pay Chris Godwin? You have no idea what's going on with Leonard Fournette. All of your weapons might not be back, and that was part of the problem in terms of you getting bounced in the postseason in the first place was that the fact that you didn't have weapons for your quarterback to throw to or to give the ball to, and that's why you got bounced. Also, in terms of the Steelers, Yes, Big Ben was bad and hobbled at the end of the season. We know this. But their offense as a whole was 23rd in the NFL in terms of dropping the football and that rate. They were 29th in the NFL in yards per carry, and they were 18th in the NFL in points allowed per drive. The defense was bad coming out of breaks, and I feel like the Steelers, while I agree, I think have one of the best head coaches, not only from a defensive-minded perspective, but in the entire NFL, feel like they're more than just a quarterback away at this point. And by the way, they're in the same division as the Bengals, who were just in the Super Bowl, and have a Ravens team that will be breathing down their neck as well. And so I feel like those four teams, I'm going to add one to your list here, though, and maybe you'll consider in terms of being a quarterback away and following a similar model that the Rams did, Canty. What about the Niners? And I feel kind of like a traitor saying this because I have been beating the Jimmy Garoppolo drum like for a year and a half in terms of them winning when he is under center. But this is a team that ranked in the top five in both offense and defense in a lot of statistical categories. And you could argue sometimes one in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. What about the Niners? Well, the Niners don't have first-round picks for the next two seasons. And what? Get creative. I, I, I With what? I, I don't understand. You're talking about at that point having to give up players, and I'm not sure that you want to give up any of the marquee guys that you have on your roster. You're going to trade Debo Samuel? No. You're going to trade Nicky Bosa? What are you talking about? How the heck are you going to get a quarterback then in the Buccaneers? You're going to have to trade away guys like Chris Godwin to get well, him no, there no, no, anyway. No, 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 but the Bucs own their draft picks. That's my point. The Bucs own their first-round draft picks. So if the Bucs want to get one of those guys, then let's trade away the next two or three first-round draft picks in order to make that happen. The Pittsburgh Steelers own their draft picks. Now, the Indianapolis Colts don't have a draft pick this year, but they do own the draft picks in the subsequent years. They've got their 2023, and they've got their 2024. The same situation with Denver. The San Francisco 49ers traded three first-round draft picks in order to get Trey Lance, Lance. so they gave up their first round last year. Trey Lance, excuse me. They gave up their first-round draft pick last year. They're giving up their first-round draft pick this year, and they're giving up 2023s. So I don't know that they're going to be in a position from a draft capital standpoint to be able to make that move. Although I like San Francisco's roster, I do think they're a quarterback away. The only point is the quarterback that they're going to be stuck trying to make it work with is Trey Lance. And so we'll have to see what Kyle Shanahan has done with him from a developmental standpoint over the course of the last year while he was sitting behind Jimmy Garoppolo and learning. But I like the San Francisco 49ers. I would agree that they are a quarterback away. They just don't have an avenue to be able to get that quarterback. Now, as far as the Tampa Bay Bucks are concerned, I think the reason that they got bounced in the playoffs is because Tristan Wirfs got hurt. 
And they couldn't that, protect I their quarterback. Absolutely, because they scored 31 points yep. in the game against the Eagles. They scored 27 against the, yep. uh, against the Rams. So it wasn't scoring points as the issue. Right. Their offensive line, which is one of the strengths of that team, was depleted. As far as the Steelers are concerned, you're absolutely right when it comes to that offensive line. That offensive line is one of the worst in football. They're, they're, as, they're not quite as bad as the Bengals, but they ain't far away from it. So they've oh, got to yeah. fix that. But if you do get a quarterback – if you're getting a guy like Russell Wilson, if you're getting a guy like Aaron Rodgers with the receivers that they have in place there, with Juju, with Clay, uh, Chase Claypool, with Deontay Johnson and Najee Harris in the backfield, there's a way to be able to make it work. And Pittsburgh has always been one of those organizations that finds a way to be able to develop mid- and late-round draft picks along the offensive line. So I think that I would trust Mike Tomlin if he could get one of those quarterbacks to be able to figure that thing out. He'll MacGyver that thing and make sure that the team is a championship contender if he can get a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see what ends up happening, but I do think there are a handful of teams this year that could copy that model that the L.A. Rams used this year. But we all know the issue with the NFL, Shay. Some people, because of their egos, start to think that they're something that they're not. They start believing in their own press clippings. As my former coach Bill Parcells said, they take the cheese, and I think we'll see some teams try to use this model that have no business going down this road, and it could ultimately end up costing them their future. Hey, what do they say? It's a copycat league. Hopefully every team that thinks they can do this doesn't actually go out and do it. Um, what about a team in the Rams division? That would be the Cardinals. A lot of drama going on with their quarterback. We're actually going to head to Arizona next and see what the latest is on the Kyler Murray drama. We'll do it next. It's Candy and Cornette here on ESPN Radio. Now we have Kyler Murray. He doesn't follow the Cardinals anymore. If you are part of the Cardinals organization, what are you thinking right now? We've given this dude everything that he needed to be successful. If he hadn't been successful, that's a him problem. Why would you not follow your team that you play for on social media? Well, maybe you have a problem with said team you play for, hence why you unfollow them on social media. I don't know, Canty. Shay Cornette, Chris Canty here with you. ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, Progressive Insurance makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. All these question marks about what the drama is really all about as it pertains to Kyler Murray. Well, maybe we should go to Arizona and find out from someone who has a little bit more of an inside track. And for that, we go to talk to John Gamb- uh, Gambadoro of Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. You can follow him on Twitter at Gambo987. John how are you? Thanks for being with us. Let's start with the beginning here. Why did Kylo Murray wipe everything off his social media? Well, he hasn't addressed that yet, right? Even he came out yesterday and said it's much to do about nothing. But in the end, I mean, he has not addressed why he scrubbed his social media account. We were left to speculate for a week as to why he scrubbed it. The only thing we really came up with is at the end of the season, He wanted Josh Allen-type money, and the Cardinals told him, no, we're not going to give that to you, or you're going to have to wait because they weren't sold that, that, that he is their franchise quarterback that they want to give $40 million a year to. That's what we speculated for a week, but it did take Kyler Murray a week to, uh, to at least say something, and when he said something, he still never addressed the issue with scrubbing his social media account. Well, Gamble, those actions only affirm the reports that we're hearing from Chris Mortensen and others about the concerns that Arizona has as far as his immaturity and being self-centered and someone who finger points. And I guess my question to you would be, 
Where are we supposed to go in terms of how Kyler Murray is received by his teammates? Because he issued the statement on social media yesterday saying that if you've ever played with me, you know what I'm about. How are his teammates receiving him as their quarterback and his subsequent actions this offseason with the frustrations that he's aired out about how their season has ended? Chris, I spoke with a couple of his teammates yesterday off record have absolutely no problem with Kyler Murray. Um, listen, he's 24 years old. I don't think that's an excuse for being immature, right? I don't think that's an excuse if he's self-centered and immature. Does he point the finger? Sure. I mean, when A.J. Green didn't turn around against Green Bay, it would have been nice for Kyler to say, look, that's on us. we got to all be on the same page. We're going to work to get that fixed. You know, I think it was kind of late. You know, A.J. Green was kind of left, uh, you know, hung out to dry on that play against the Packers on that Thursday night football game. Look, nobody's put a name on this, the Chris Mortensen report. Nobody's put a name on it. It may not be coming from a player. You know, it's very likely. You know, if it's Josina Anderson, I would think it probably comes from a player. If it's Chris Mortensen, it might be from somebody in the front office or it might be somebody in the coaching staff. You've got to think about those things. But there are definitely some disturbing things that have been in some of these reports. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, John Gambadoro, Arizona Sports 98.7, joining us now here. Chris Canty, Shay Cornette with you on ESPN Radio. Okay, so how do you move forward now if you're the Arizona Cardinals? He wants a lot of money. Clearly, they're disgruntled on both sides. I guess I'll put it that way. What do you do? Well, they've never told him that they wouldn't do a new deal with him. I think that you've got to factor in that there's two years and about $36 million on the table now for him. That would have to factor into any new deal for the Cardinals to do a deal. They've got this year, and then they got his fifth-year option that they could pick up. That's a total of $36 million over two years. They're not going to wipe it clean and just give him $40 million a year and give him like a Dak Prescott deal or a Josh Allen deal. Those, If he wants a new, deals, a new deal, it would have to be beneficial to both sides, and that money over the next two years would have to factor into the contract. You know, Chris, you know all about this. Um, having done these contracts, that would have to factor in. He's got the Cardinals have control this year, and they have control next year with the fifth-year option, and then they'd even have control with a franchise tag, Shay, if they wanted to do that. So there's really no leverage for Kyler outside of giving back a whole bunch of money and going to play baseball, and I don't even see that as a possibility, to be honest with you. Yeah, Gambo, and the Cardinals are up against it with a cap. I think they've got a couple of million dollars based on the projections on what 2022 salary cap is going to be. But big picture, looking at this team, what are going to be the offseason priorities in terms of the guys that are currently on this roster? Well, they got a lot of big decisions to make. You know, I mean, do they bring Justin Pugh back? You know, at, uh, at, at, a, at a number that Justin would want. He's been a really good offensive guard for them. He took a pay cut last year. I think Chandler is – I think they're going to let Chandler go. Uh, you know, if he's going to go get the big money from someone, it's not going to be from the Cardinals. I think they'd like to bring Hassan Reddick back uh, as a pass rusher to team with Marcus Golden. So they're going to continue to address some of the needs. One of the main ones is cornerback. That's been a, an area of concern for them. Robert Alford got hurt. He didn't play. Robert Alford signed, you know, he's basically been in three years, didn't play the first two years, and got hurt this past year. It's time to move on and get them some cornerbacks. They've got Byron Murphy. He's very good, young, talented kid, but they need more help with the cornerback spot. Going up against Debo Samuel and Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson and, you know, DK Metcalf and all the talent in the West. They need to get more depth at the cornerback spot. And we'll see what happens with the quarterback spot going forward as well. Uh, Gambo, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Take care. Okay, Shay, thank you.
Yo, Canty, do you feel like Gambo's got a little, like, Mel Kuyper to his voice, or is it just me? Nah, there's definitely a little bit of that going right? on, but the guy is certainly plugged into it. And when he's giving you the facts, when he's running down the roster and talking about all the different things they got to address, it does remind you of Mel Kuyper sitting at the desk yeah. on draft day running through all of the prospects. But one of the things that kind of caught my attention, Shay, is just the fact that there are a lot of guys that the Arizona Cardinals have got to try to figure out a way to retain. Like There are a lot of tough decisions that this organization has to make, and I will never begrudge a player, especially a quarterback, for wanting to get his money as soon as you possibly can because your next down can be your last down. But if you're Kyler Murray, you do have to have some degree of awareness when it comes to supporting the organization and making sure that they have enough to put the right supporting cast around you. And that might mean you might have to delay your timeline in terms of when you're going to get paid. Like, this might be a situation where the Arizona Cardinals say, we can't afford to give you the kind of contract that you want. It's not that we're not sold on you as a player, because I think everybody has to be. Kyler Murray has shown that he has that MVP potential. Hell, halfway through this season, he was probably one of the guys that you would say is the front runner for MVP before he got hurt. Yeah, right but, around week nine. Yep, exactly, exactly. So I don't know it's if it's the Arizona Cardinals not being sold on him. I think this is much more about the Arizona Cardinals not being able to have the the resources to lock him down and address all the other areas of their team, all the other elements that they're going to need in order to put Kyler and the Cardinals where they want to be, which is not getting bounced in the wild card round, but being capable of going on a long playoff run. Yeah, especially when you have such a great regular season, at, la- at least a great first half of the regular season, great on the road, and then obviously come up short during the second half and in the postseason, which unfortunately, unfortunately has kind of been Cliff Kingsbury and M.O. since he's gotten to Yeah, Clint Kingsbury needs to be better in December. How yeah. about that? Let, yeah. Let's focus there on that. He, yeah, we'll exactly. focus on that. I agree that with you. Um, all right, earlier today, uh, Chris Canty did a thing, talked about how he was in the penthouse and I was in the cellar, I think was the word. He actually, he called it an outhouse. I called it the outhouse, yeah. Outhouse. But you, you, you changed it to the cellar you yeah, were you were uncomfortable with the outhouse so we're, we're moving into the cellar yeah. at least the cellar might have like a normal <laughs> flushing toilet so i felt like that maybe was a better option anyways my bottom five is coming up next <laughs> shay Cornette, chris canty here hanging out with you it's espn radio the espn app series xm channel 80 and espn plus hello if you are watching on espn plus uh, so Super Bowl has come and gone. We've had a sleep in between two days removed now from it. It feels like maybe a little bit longer than that, but nonetheless, Rams are enjoying that Lombardi trophy. The Bengals are back at work trying to figure out how to make the offensive line better, hopefully uh, starting on that process today. And so as we sit back, you already gave your top five from your ivory tower, uh, top five <laughs> storylines. I'm going to head now to the basement and here's the bottom five. Which teams were great? Player was not. Does he hang on? Intercepted. He couldn't hang on. This is the NFL Top 5, Bottom 5. Number 5. All right, number 5. And we're going with the five, in my opinion, worst storylines that came out of Super Bowl weekend. And the number five one will be that the Bengals won't be back. Simply because of the division they play in, the conference they play in in the AFC. And I get it. It's competitive. It's hard. But while they have Joe Burrow under center and that core group locked down to me, 
there's going to always be a chance. I know. If you could have told me that Aaron Rodgers would only go to one Super Bowl, could you believe it? Or the fact that Patrick Mahomes only won one. I get all that. But I think the Bengals will be back. I don't care what division they play in. I don't care that they're in the AFC. Give me the Bengals. What do you think, Candy? Yeah, cosign retweet on that one now. All right. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about it, and it might be a little bit of bias because your husband is such an avid Bengals fan. Perhaps. So I don't know if you're necessarily looking at this thing with clear eyes or whether those are those Bengal-colored spectacles. But anyway, I will say this. This is a team that's shown that they can beat top-notch competition. Going into championship weekend, conference championship weekend, the Kansas City Chiefs were the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl. And the Bengals dusted them in that game, especially in the second half. And that was the second time they had beaten the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, they had beaten the Kansas City Chiefs in a matter of six weeks. So I think this Bengals team is here to stay. And a big reason why is Joe Burrow. The other part is they've got cap space. And the Bengals really only have one issue that they have to fix, which is their offensive line. That's it. The rest of the team is ready to go. They got the skill position players. They got the quarterback. They got the defense. And they have all their draft picks, too. Exactly. Let's stop with the Bengals won't be back nonsense. I love it. Let's go number four. Number four. All right, people. I am not here for the 50 cent slander anymore, okay? (laughs) You mean the the silver dollar? (laughs) Now, Candy, that's not nice. See, he's adding on to it. The people who sat there and was like, why did they have to bring him out? It took time away from Snoop and Dre and Mary J. You're haters. NM, I get it. You're all haters. I thought 50 Cent coming to the party at halftime, upside down, even if he is a silver dollar now, added to it, made me dance alone in my living room because that's where I was because I had to work on Sunday. I'm not salty about it at all, but I'm not here for that anymore, and I think it's actually stupid that you people have that take. Here's what I will say. I was all about 50 Cent being a part of it because it was a Dre production. It was really about him and the the different artists that he has worked with and different songs that he produced for those artists. I just don't know why 50 Cent came out there in the AT shirt like he still got it. And upside down. And upside upside down. The upside down part was like that was the music video from In The Club back in the day. I don't know why he had that wardrobe choice. And I don't know why Mary J. Blige had her wardrobe choice. (gasps) As great as she was, Mary J. Blige needs to wear something a little more appropriate because she ain't got it like that no more. I'm not trying to body shame nobody, but I got to keep it 100 with you because this is the bottom five. Yeah, no, I disagree with you wholeheartedly. Ah, that's, here we go. That's okay, Shay, all look. right. That's his look We're, in the T-shirt. Like, that, if ah, he's going to come out upside down, he's got to do the whole thing. Yeah, all right, okay. okay. We got to be doing... all about body positivity. Okay, Shay, let's that's move it right. along. Body positive. Uh, all right, these are my uh, Super Bowl bottom five. Let's keep it moving. Number three. So, uh, before the game even kicked off, we were talking about Aaron Donald possibly walking away from the game of football if the Rams indeed won the Super Bowl, and that is what they did. And so now, is Aaron Donald going to retire? I hate this storyline so much because I just simply don't want it to happen. I don't want to see the end of Aaron Donald. He's only 30 years old. It feels like since he came into this league, every year we're talking about him as being the best player on the defensive side of the ball. doesn't matter who else is either on the field or in the field in terms of that. He's now a Super Bowl champion. I just don't want to see it end with the Rams or for Aaron Donald at all. I hate this storyline. Well, here's what I will say, Shay. A lot of people have speculated about Aaron Donald trying to angle for a new contract, and because his guaranteed money has run out on his contract, maybe he wants a new deal. I will say this. On top of having a bank full of respect from past and current NFL players, Aaron Donald also has a bank full of money. 
The, the guy has been one of the highest paid defensive players for the last three or four years. So it ain't about money if he wants to continue playing. And so if you're talking about quality of life, if you're talking about potentially stepping away, I could see it for a guy that has seven straight first-team All-Pro nods and now adds a Super Bowl ring on his resume. He's already one of the top three defensive players to have ever lived, as far as I'm concerned, along with Reggie White and Lawrence Taylor. Not really sure that Aaron Donald has much more to prove on the football field. The only reason he would be coming back is just because he loves the competition. That's it. And by the way, the Rams don't usually have problems. When someone wants money, they'll pay them. Like oh, yeah. This isn't oh, yeah. a, this oh, yeah. isn't a oh, yeah. situation oh, yeah. that's oh, yeah. been an issue at all oh, yeah. for the Rams. And, yeah, oh, yeah, quality of life, walking away on top, you also made probably the two best plays that you needed to make at the end of the Super Oh, and you know what? what one other thing, Shay, it was such a beautiful scene with him playing with his kids in the confetti, and he talked about he wanting to play him. with his little yep. girls in the confetti when they won the Super Bowl. That was an awesome scene. I loved it. So I hate this narrative that he could possibly be retiring, so let's keep it moving. Number two. Number two on my list of Super Bowl bottom five storylines that I hate is that small market teams, for example, the Bengals don't draw viewers. Oh, really? They don't draw viewers. <laughs> well, last I checked, that Rams win over the Bengals drew most viewers since 2017, up over 14% from a year ago. And we were sitting here in the playoffs like, well, this is the NFL's worst nightmare. The Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. Oh, really? Well, it looks like everyone fell in love with that small market team. We had the same conversation about the Bucks being in the finals in the NBA. Looks like small market teams. Are you listening, Portland? Do draw viewers and attention. Yeah, Shay, I'm with you. I got caught up in the skyline, Chile, as well. Yeah. 112.3 million on average viewers during the Super Bowl Sunday. It was awesome, and I think a lot of it has to do with one of those teams that endears themselves to you. You love the storyline. You love the underdog. And they got a pretty cool quarterback in Joe Burrow. Yeah, no doubt. My As you talked about, my husband's from Cincinnati, born and raised, um, huge Bengals fan. And he told me this because I grew up in Chicago, right? And, like, I know, obviously, Candy, you know New York so well. And it's, like, New York, Chicago, L.A. Like, we go to these places. Boston is, like, big, huge sports town. Cincinnati is actually a huge sports town. It just doesn't have, like, the bright lights that the other cities I just mentioned have. And so I feel like people overlook that. But as we saw, obviously, in this year's Super Bowl, that is a very big sports town. All right. The last one here on the Super Bowl bottom five. Here we go. Number one. Kanye West stealing the attention (laughs) away from the Super Bowl irks me still. And he's still going on social media. He's got his own bag of issues. I don't want to get into it. But the fact that he was trending during the Super Bowl and then talked about it on his social media, I hate so much. Keep your Kimye drama off social media and with your own business and don't interfere with my sports, buddy. I don't like it. And then he was sitting there with a mask over his face and Antonio Brown next to him. Why did he have to be a part of our Super Bowl storyline, Candy? I hated it. Yeah, I, I don't know if Kanye is in a good place when you got the Squid Game mask on and you're next oh. to Antonio Brown and then you look miserable when you take the mask off. I don't know that Kanye is the kind of guy you really want to be around right now. I, I don't know if he's in his artist mode or whatever, but that was just a bad look, and I don't know why Kanye's trying to hijack the headlines for Super Bowl yeah. Sunday. This ain't exactly. about you, bruh. Exactly. This ain't about you. You're not doing a halftime show with Dr. Dre. The NFL didn't tap you on the shoulder. Don't be salty about it. Just sit there with the rest of the celebrities and enjoy the damn game. You made my point for me. Exactly. And that is why that is number one on my most hated bottom five storylines from the Super Bowl. So many good ones, but those bottom five definitely take the cake. I like that game, and I'd like to play again. That was fun. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, <laughs> very fun. That's what we do every Tuesday here on ESPN Radio, top five, bottom five. I love it. All right, coming up. We haven't even talked about this not one time yet, but the Minnesota Vikings are going to introduce their new, new head coach on Thursday. We'll get to that next. You're listening to Chris Canty and Shay Cornett on ESPN Radio. Asia Wilson is an example of black athletes making history beyond the game. Working with Palmetto Health Children's Hospital to bring awareness and raise funds for young people fighting cancer. I just feel like when I'm having a bad day, I'm down, but there's a kid that's going through probably the ultimate challenge, but they're pushing through. I was so happy to really bring awareness to that, just to continue to work in my community in those ways. ESPN Radio celebrates Black History Always. All right, we're about to play a little game. That was exactly what the Rams did on their opening drive of the Super Bowl. But did it matter? No, because they still won the Super Bowl. That was go three and out. This is ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. Shay Cornette, Chris Canty here with you. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. As I mentioned, you know, those Rams, they did go three and out on that first possession, but it didn't matter. So let's see if it matters here on ESPN Radio. Shall we? We shall, Shay, but first. <laughs> Sometimes it's the worst. Worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is Three and Out. And Shay, before we get to Three and Out, we got to give a shout out to the guests that came through on the show today. ESPN NBA writer Tim Bontemps giving us the latest between Harden and Ben Simmons. Both of them spoke at their press conferences with their new respective teams today. Plenty of sound bites that uh, we had to react from throughout the show. Also, Tim gave us some great insight as to what their situations are going to be like moving forward. Also, ESPN NFL analyst Dan Orlovsky. Also, he's the co-host of NFL Live. You know he was caping for his boy Matt Stafford to be a Hall of Fame guy, a gold jacket guy. We also know that former All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman disagrees with him. That was very interesting. And then, of course, Arizona Sports 98.7 FM, John Gabadoro coming through to give us the latest on what happened with Kyler Murray and the relationship with the Arizona Cardinals and how that's devolved. If you've missed any of it, go to the podcast, download, rate, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. And so now, let's get on with 3 and Out. And we're going to kick 3 and Out off today with the Minnesota Vikings introducing their new head coach, Offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell from the Los Angeles Rams. Now, fresh off a Super Bowl victory, it never hurts to be able to introduce him at a press conference in Minnesota. Gives you an extra degree of credibility for your new general manager, the direction that the program is going, and hope springs eternal for all the Vikings fans out in the Midwest. So it's an exciting hire. I will say this, Shay, Kevin O'Connell, two years as offensive coordinator for the Rams, top 10 offenses in both of them. And one offense was a top 10 rushing outfit. The other offense was a top five passing offense. So he's done it a couple of different ways. And so you'd like to think that that creativity, that innovation, that innovative mind is going to bode well, given the weapons that Kirk Cousins has at his disposal with the Vikings. Yeah, look, when they moved on from Mike Zimmer, I feel like the whole idea in that locker room and in those facilities was to change the culture, right? They wanted something young. They wanted something fresh. They wanted a different kind of offensive mind there that would bring that fresh air kind of into that building, and that's what they're going to get now in Kevin O'Connell. I feel like this news has been buried among all the things that we're talking about between the Super Bowl and Kyler Murray and what's going on in the NBA, and I guess that's what happens when you hire a coach that's been playing in the Super Bowl. All the other coaches that were introduced this 
this year kind of got their flowers, right? We listened in intently into their press conferences, and this one's getting swept under the rug, and maybe it will turn out to be the best one of the bunch. We will find out. Speaking of coaches getting their flowers, we got to give one Bill Belichick his flowers because on this day, back in 1996, the Cleveland Browns decided that they were going to fire Bill Belichick. And 284 wins later, including the playoff games, and six Super Bowl titles later, Bill Belichick finds himself arguably the greatest coach of all time and certainly the greatest coach in the modern era. So, happy trails, Cleveland. You got rid of a real one. I can't imagine the people that were in the building that said, you know what, we'll be able to move our program forward when we fire this guy, Bill Belichick. Yeah, it was not good. And since Bill Belichick has been fired, I'm trying to see how many. There's been 10 other head coaches since then, mm. um, and that's not good for the Cleveland Browns. They've never quite been the same. And so this is a day that I'm sure Cleveland Brown fans look back on and say what might have been, and unfortunately they're still trying to figure out if they can ever find their own Bill Belichick. But, yeah, 10 coaches later and 20, 26 years, 20 years, how many years was it? 1996-ish. Yeah. Was it 28 28 years, 28 yeah, years, math. I was like not a math major. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not great at math either, We're not something great at like math. that. Uh, Virginia and Indiana, uh, there we go with our degrees. We can't do math. But anyways, Browns, <laughs> the Browns today are not having a good day remembering this day in history. Let's yeah, I'm trying to way. figure out what it's worse if you're a Cleveland Browns fan knowing that you had Bill Belichick as your head coach. In the building, yep. Or whether you're a New York Jets fan where Bill Belichick decided he was going to retire after one day of being a head coach. I'm trying to decide oh, which one is bad. worse. Um, I feel like it's worse for the Browns, um, okay. in my opinion, just because he was in the building as your head coach was forced out. That's probably my – that would be my take. Okay, well, I just – I mean, Belichick technically was in the building, you know, I guess. But he wasn't really know. forced out. Like, he wasn't – He right? wasn't forced out. I think it had to do with ownership and, you know, not necessarily being on the same page as the with the new owners because the Hess family was on their way out and, and Woody Johnson was about to buy the team. But that's neither here nor there. Neither one of those fan bases feel great about it. But this day in history in the NFL, Bill Belichick was fired from the Cleveland Browns. And let's just say that was one of the worst decisions to ever hit Cleveland Browns football. Moving it along, we got to go back to Super Bowl 56, Shay, because we got somebody that was, I don't know if you want to call him a villain, you want to call him a culprit, you want to call him a scapegoat. Maybe scapegoat might be the most appropriate turn because Eli Apple, corner for the Cincinnati Bengals, you know the guy that Cooper cut, caught the game-winning touchdown on? He's been catching a lot of L's on social media as well after the Super Bowl. In the 48 hours after it's happened, everybody and their mama is getting at him, including one Robert Woods, the ride receiver for the L.A. Rams, who referred to Eli Apple on Twitter as applesauce after Cooper Cup smoked him for the game-winning touchdown. Now he's catching L's all over the place. The whole city of New Orleans has jumped on the bandwagon, by the way. I guess it didn't end I guess it didn't end well with Eli Apple down there when he was a saint, but he criticized the people in New Orleans. He criticized the food in New Orleans. Not sure how you actually get to that place where you do that because the food is outstanding. But just Eli Apple, it's it's all bad for him right now. He just needs to cut his mentions off on social media. Matter of fact, just stay away from social media. Act like you're playoff LeBron, even though you just got bounced out of the playoffs. And just don't go go dark on social media. Oh, it's in your on. best interest. If you're going to spit out the insults, you better be able to take them. And here they come with a vengeance. That's for sure. 
No doubt about it. It's all bad for Eli Apple. But, Shay, it's been all good with doing the show with you today and talking about James Harden and Ben Simmons as well as the Super Bowl. And coming up next, Spain and Fitz have got you covered with Rams wide receiver Ben Skoranek. You're listening to Shea Cornette, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio.